the little critters and the animals and I mean even the insects uh, I'm just really amazed at them when I was a kid we used to catch little spiders and uh, that was our National Geographic so we'd put them in a little jar you know and uh, and, and then catch bugs and then put it in there for that spider to eat. And if you really wanted an exciting one, uh, there's little spiders and they're jumpy spiders. They're kind of hairy, but, uh, but they're harmless and they, they jump and they're a lot of fun to watch. So you get one of those, you put them in a jar and then you find yourself a bee. Now catching those is difficult uh, or a wasp and you put that in a jar with the, bee, with, the, uh, with the spider and you got yourself a real show going on right there. I mean, it beats anything that you will ever see on TV uh, watching that combination. Those spiders don't build webs. Uh, they, 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 they wait and then they jump on top of the uh, fly or whatever it is and, uh, and then usually if it's bigger than him it flies away and you got a, you got a whole bunk and bron bronco going on with that spider uh, riding that bug, whatever it is. And so it's quite interesting. And you say, well, what does that have to do with anything? It has to do with how marvelous our Creator is, really. If you think about all those things, you think about all the little details that are there, uh, it really just amazes me that our God uh, has, has designed and made everything the way it is. It just totally is amazing. And that has absolutely nothing to do with the message. But uh, I was reminded of it because of that song and really how good God is and what a good God is, what a good God we do serve and, uh, and how truly him amazing he is. Proverbs chapter 28 and we just have three more verses we're going to look at in chapter 28, and we will, f we will finish up Proverbs 28 tonight. And next week we'll move on to Proverbs chapter 29. And tonight we're going to look at riches. Last week we did, not last week, last week we were in revival, but with the week before that we were in uh, Proverbs 28. And we also looked at riches. We looked at the deceit of riches and how it changes the way we think. But tonight we're going to look at actual riches and, uh, and we live in a world that values riches more than it values life. Really does. Uh, you say, you really believe that? People will kill for money. Uh, you don't believe it? Uh, it happens regularly. And so uh, people really do value riches over life. And so it's quite an amazing thing. Uh, Proverbs 28 and verse number 22, we'll start there. The Bible says, He that hasteneth to be rich hath an evil eye, and considereth not that poverty shall come upon him. And let's pray before we get into our message. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you just for your goodness to us. Thank you, Father, for uh, the privilege that we have to be in your house. Father, it truly is a privilege uh, to be able to sing songs to you. It's a privilege to be able to pause in the middle of the week. Father, and uh, be able to focus and concentrate on you and your word. God, I pray that you would use me. I pray, Father, that you would speak through me. God, I pray that each and every heart and each and every listener every person that's tuned in online, Father, would be blessed, would be encouraged, and God, their heart would be uh, blessed tonight by your word, Father, and your spirit. And Father, we'll be careful to give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. Let's switch back to this, uh, this pulpit, Mike. I think uh, this one's going dead here. We'll just take it off. So as we, as we think about this verse, He that hasteth to be rich hath an evil eye. 
Uh, we kind of looked at that a little bit last week, or two weeks ago, rather. I'm probably going to say invariably last week. Just understand it was two weeks ago, all right? Uh, but uh, we looked at a little bit of the idea of, of getting rich quick. And, uh, and the focus uh, on riches uh, is not a new problem, okay? It's, a, it's an age-old problem. It has been around since the beginning of time, probably since gold and precious metal and precious stones uh, were discovered. Well, probably even before that, uh, man desired to have lots of flocks and lots of livestock and lots of land and, and be able to possess many things. And it's, I said this, this the, two weeks ago, it's not wrong to have riches, but it is wrong for riches to have you. And so it's a good understanding for us to see that and understand that. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter number 6 and verse number 10, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Boy, the last part of that verse is really sad if you think about it. Uh, it says, uh, they have erred from the faith and pierced them through with many sorrows. You know what that tells me? Uh, that Christians can get their eyes off of God and become focused on riches to a point that they fall in love with money and, uh, and it, it's damaging to themselves. And so it's a good warning even to us uh, on a Wednesday night that would be in church that we would uh, maintain our focus on God and not, exp not specifically on riches. Uh, and it's such a great temptation that Paul warned Timothy about it and how dangerous it was. And so uh, certainly it is a problem. As we look at our verse here, verse 22, the Bible says, He that hasteth to be rich hath an evil eye. I want to focus on that first part, and we'll look at that last part, though it's very easy to understand. It's a, a fairly simple verse, to be honest with you. But uh, the idea that I put down with that is seeking riches. Seeking riches. In other words, uh, if the idea that he's hasting to be rich and he has an evil eye, uh, I would understand that to mean that his focus and all of his attention is focused on wealth and acquiring that wealth and getting riches. It's not, it's not just, uh, well, I'm going to try and get there. No, he has a desire and he's racing towards that in a, in a, a, as fast of a pace as he can go in that direction. And we've talked about that. There's many uh, who are in a hurry to get rich quick. Uh, we talked about that in Proverbs 28, in our, our chapter here, in verse number 8. He that by usury and unjust gain increaseth his substance, he shall gather it for him that will pity the poor. And uh, the idea of unjust gain and increasing his substance and trying to uh, turn a quick dollar and trying to cut corners to try and make money and, and all of that that goes with it is, is part of the uh, let's get rich quick. And, uh, and they're usually bad practices. Perhaps so I, I was sitting down and I was thinking, you know, I wanted to say all, all get rich quick things are bad, but I did think of uh, perhaps two uh, that would be legitimate, okay? Now, they're extremes. They're not uh, the, your normal, everyday thing. One is you may get an inheritance, okay? That would be legitimate. There's nothing wrong with, with that, and, and it may fall your way, and you may suddenly become rich, uh, and that is possible. Now, uh, the difference is it would just happen by accident, unless you're 
uh, you know, looking at one of your relatives and they're very well off and, and then you're starting to think, you know, hmm, I wonder how I can knock them off a little earlier. Then you're cutting corners, all right? And that's obviously sin. That's, uh, and that's the mindset. And, you, and we laugh, and I do say that in jest, but there's people that think like that. There's people that, that plot like that. And, and so uh, that obviously is a haste to be rich and a wrong mindset. It's not bad, and it's not wrong to get an inheritance, obviously. Uh, but, uh, but that is one way that, that may be a legitimate way that somebody could get rich quick. The other one, uh, I don't know if it would really count, but we'll throw it in there anyways, uh, is that your business, if you're a business owner, could take off overnight. Sometimes that happens. Uh, but that's not without work. Usually mo- those people have invested time, they've invested money, they've invested uh, themselves in their business, and they've worked hard to get where they, at, where they are at. But sometimes, uh, for whatever reason, in the day and age of, of we'll say, viral YouTube videos, uh, where things tend to go viral, it's possible that uh, a restaurant business or some business that fabricates something uh, could all of a sudden t- take off and do very well, and whoever started that would be very wealthy. Okay, so that is possible. Uh, so I don't want to say that uh, getting rich quickly is, is always bad, but I will say this, that if that is your goal and if that is your desire, then your desire is wrong, because that is wrong. And, uh, and that's what the Bible is talking about here. He says, he that hasteth to be rich. In other words, he's in a hurry to make a lot of wealth and to acquire a lot of riches. And it goes on and he says there, he says in verse 22, he that hasteth to be rich, he says it this way, hath an evil eye. And I thought, an evil eye, I know I've seen that a few times in the Bible. And, uh, and so I, I looked for it, and I didn't jot those, those verses down, but we're going to look at a couple uh, other verses. But the idea of an evil eye is that our focus would not be on godly things, but our focus would be on uh, maybe temporal things or, or wickedness or some way that we could acquire uh, wealth in a quick way. Usually that's not done uh, through honest hard work. Uh, usually the, the quick get-rich schemes uh, often require some form of cutting corners or some form of unrighteousness, and so it's just kind of a bad idea. Go with me to Deuteronomy chapter number 15. Deuteronomy 15, and I want us to see this because the evil eye would have to do very much so with being selfish. Um, and the Bible talks about this in Deuteronomy chapter number 15, in verse number 7, and I want to just give you an illustration by way of this passage, Deuteronomy chapter number 15 and verse number 7, that we can see that uh, it's a very selfish motive. And that's kind of the idea that he's going against, that we should not be selfishly motivated uh, to get riches for ourselves. Look with me in Deuteronomy 15 and verse number 7. He says this, If there be among you a poor man of one of thy brethren within any of thy gates in thy land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not harden thine heart or shut up thine hand from thy poor brother. But thou shalt open thine hand wide unto him and shalt surely lend him with sufficient for his his need in that in that which he wanteth. 
Verse 9, beware that there be not a thought in thy wicked heart, saying, the seventh year, the year of release, is at hand. And thine, here's, the ver, here's our phrase, and thine eye be evil against thy poor brother, and thou givest him naught, and he cry unto the Lord against thee, and it be sin unto thee. Now, what's he talking about? He's giving laws in, in Deuteronomy, and he's telling them that, listen, uh, he had established uh, the seventh year of release. What's that seventh year of re release? Well, I was hoping you would ask me that. So look at verse number one and two, and he explains what that seventh year of release is. Look in verse number one. At the end of every seven years, thou shalt make a release, and this is the manner of the release. Every creditor that lendeth aught unto his neighbor shall release it. He shall not exact it of his neighbor or of his brother, because it is called the Lord's release. In other words, if you have something... And, uh, and your brother wanted to borrow it. And, and brother here could be another Jewish person. It's not necessarily your physical brother because he's talking about the Jewish people. And, uh, and he's saying, listen, if you were to, uh, your brother wanted to take and, and come borrow your lawnmower. He probably wouldn't borrow your lawnmower for seven years. But uh, uh, let's say he needed to borrow some money, okay? And, and, and he would pay you back, but it would take longer than seven years. The Bible was saying, and what God was establishing is, listen, on the seventh year, thou shalt not exact it of him. In other words, on the seventh year, uh, maybe he, he borrowed $20,000 and he paid 15000 back, and they hit the seventh year, and, uh, and then the Bible says... You don't go back to him and require that other $5,000. Matter of fact, uh, you just let it go. Now, that doesn't mean he can't pay it back. He can pay it back. And, and if he would like to, he would do so or whatever. But you are not to exact it of him. You are to let it go and drop it and forget it and just write it off at that point and say, you know what? I'm not going to collect that last part of it. You say, boy, that's pretty harsh. Well, look, look with me in verse number 10. He says, well, look with me again in verse number 9 as he warns about this. Because it would come every seven years. He said, Beware that there be not a thought in thy wicked heart, saying, The seventh year, the year of release, is at hand. And thine eye be evil against thy poor brother, and thou givest him naught, and he cry unto the Lord against thee, and it be sin unto thee. Verse number 10. Thou shalt surely give him, and thine heart shall not be grieved when thou givest unto him, because that for this thing the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all thy works, and in all that thou puttest thy hand unto." You understand the uh, ramifications of that. What he is saying there in, in those verses, he's saying, listen, you're up against uh, year number six, and, uh, and somebody needs to borrow something. And you're saying, man, it's only got a year left, and then all of a sudden, boom, it's all going to get written off. And no, I don't, I'm not lending any. Uh, year six, year six and a half, I'm not lending anything out. Nope, nothing, because I know what's coming. 
And then I'm not going to be able to. And that's exactly what God is saying. He's saying, hey, don't be selfish. Now, uh, you're not lending stuff out that you would need and that you would use. It would be something that you could lend out. But uh, nonetheless, he's saying, listen, don't be stingy and don't be greedy and don't be selfish with your own possessions. But if you are able to lend it out and you are able to help somebody out, he said, go ahead and do that. And don't be grieved by the fact that, hey, you're up against the seventh year. And he said, if you are, it will be sin unto you. But verse number 10 helps us clarify everything. Look at verse number 10 again with me. Thou shalt surely give it him, and thine heart shall not be grieved when thou givest unto him. Why? Because that for this thing the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all thy works, and in all that thou puttest thine hand Unto. In other words, that, hey, God's blessing is going to be on you because uh, you are obeying the word of God in this case and in this scenario. He's saying, listen, uh, don't be greedy with your own self and don't be greedy with your things and don't be selfish. And God will bless you because you've given and you've helped out somebody else. Uh, listen, somebody that hasteth to be rich, he's got an evil eye. He's not going to be one that's going, he's going to be selfish. He's not going to be somebody that's going to give stuff away. He's not going to be somebody that is uh, helping other people. He's not going to be uh, that person that, that is willing to give. And, and the Bible says in the second part of our verse, Proverbs 28, 22, and considereth not that poverty shall come upon him. In other words, hey, he hasteth to be rich and he's got an evil eye and he's looking out for himself and he's trying to gain riches for himself and he's not going to help out other people, but he doesn't realize that poverty is going to come his way. There's several examples that you could give in the Bible, and a couple of them that do come to mind is that, uh, remember the rich man that uh, said, hey, I'm going to tear down my barns and I'm going to build greater barns and I'm going to... Uh, store all my wealth and I'm going to say, hey, uh, I'm going to take, take and, and set back and take it easy. And Jesus said, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then, shall who's, then uh, who shall all these things be? And, uh, and it wasn't that it's wrong to be rich, but his focus was all on that. And just as we see in this verse, he that hasteth to be rich hath an evil or a selfish eye. And they're always looking out for self. And the second thing I want you to notice about an evil eye is that they will never be satisfied. The Bible's very clear about that. Proverbs 27, 20, we've read that before. Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. Proverbs 28, 20, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. A faithful man shall abound with blessings. We read that in Deuteronomy. Hey, that being uh, not being selfish and helping, that God's going to bless. And then the second part, but he that haste, maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. In other words, he's going to cut corners. He's going to sin. He's going to fudge paperwork. He's going to take, do whatever it takes to be able to acquire the wealth that he has set his sights on. Go with me to 2 Kings chapter 5. And we'll look at an example of this. 2 Kings chapter number 5. 
And verse number 19, uh, we'll, we'll take our text there. But in 2 Kings chapter number 5 is the story of Naaman. If you've been in Sunday school class, uh, which probably most of you have been, uh, I'm sure you learned about Naaman. Naaman was a rich Syrian, uh, a king really, or a captain of the host of Syria rather, and, and, uh, and he had leprosy. And, uh, and I love this passage for a lot of reasons, but the little servant girl that worked for Naaman said, I wish you were over in God's country, in my homeland, because there's a prophet of God that can heal you. And that little girl, by that little girl, Naaman runs over uh, to Israel and finds Elisha. And uh, I love the passage because it's the, it's the most interesting passage. You t- God has a sense of humor. And Elisha does not even go out and see Naaman. The Bible says he sent a servant out and told Naaman, go wash in the Jordan, go dip in the Jordan seven times. And boy, Naaman gets mad. I mean, he says, the Jordan's a muddy, nasty river. We've got great rivers in my country, and I could have washed in those. It would have been far better. And one of his servants says, look, what do you got to lose? Just go try it. I mean, you know, the prophet of God did tell you to do that. And, and so sure enough, he calms down, and he does, and he goes and dips in the, in the Jordan seven times. And, and, uh, and the Bible says that that seventh time when he comes up, he's made whole completely. His leprosy is gone. He goes back to Elisha, whom he didn't even see the first time. And he says, hey, I want to pay you goods. I want to give you something for uh, for healing me. And and Elisha flat refuses it and says, I'm not going to take anything. And so Naaman then leaves. But in verse number 19, we, we find a twist in the story. The Bible says there in verse number 19. And he said unto him, go in peace. So he departed from him a little way. Verse number 20 says, But Gehazi, or Gehazi, you can say it however you want because he's not here and he's not going to correct you. But Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, Behold, my master has spared Naaman, this Syrian, in not receiving at his hand that which he brought. But as the Lord liveth, I will run after him and take somewhat of him. I love this story. There were several I was looking at and several I was thinking about, but I believe this one probably uh, narrows down the focus a little bit better because uh, Gehazi didn't cut corners. He didn't steal. He wasn't robbing from this man. He, 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 he did sin because he, uh, a few things. Number one, he lied to the man of God. Um, then he lied to Naaman, so I guess he did cut some corners. But uh, uh, but he goes to the man of uh, goes to Naaman, who was offering to pay anyways, and he says, "Hey, uh, listen, a couple of prophets came, and and he says uh, we could use something for him." And Naaman is more than happy to give because he wanted to give anyways, and so he gets a couple change of raiments and gets some gold and silver and and uh, and gives it all to Gehazi, and Gehazi takes it back and he hides it, and he says, "Man, I've." got myself some wealth. Finally, I got my windfall. I got what I was waiting for. I've got that wealth that I was looking for. And he goes back to Elisha. And Elisha, the Spirit of God, had revealed to Elisha that, hey, Gehazi had gone somewhere. And and Elisha said, where'd you go, Gehazi? And Gehazi said, "I, I didn't go anywhere. And he lied to him. And he said, Gehazi, is it time to receive raiment and receive gold? 
Gehazi says, I didn't go anywhere. And Elisha says, the leprosy of Naaman is going to be upon you. And he leaves as a leper from the presence of Elisha. What am I saying? I'm saying he, as our verse says in Proverbs, he that hasteth to be rich hath an evil eye and considereth not that poverty shall come upon him. I'm amazed at the extent that man will go through to build riches and acquire riches many times illegally or uh, bending rules or breaking rules to acquire stuff all to find out that they end up losing it all in the end and in all reality many times uh, they don't have half of what they think they have and they end up poor as they were before or poorer we find that seeking wealth or seeking riches is a problem go with me to verse number 24 These next two verses are are fairly easy and we won't take as much time, but look with me in verse number 24. Proverbs 28, 22 is seeking riches and Proverbs 28, 24 says, Whoso robbeth his father or his mother and saith, It is no transgression, the same is is the companion of a destroyer. Now anybody can fall into this trap and I, or this trap and I, I, I put down stealing riches. So the first one is having your sights set on those riches and, and desiring them so much that you would uh, go out of your way and, and, and try to acquire them. But here we have uh, very similar, but it would be stealing riches. Uh, but it's in my mind, it's a little bit worse because it's stealing from your father and your mother. And... Uh, I think, man, it's bad enough to steal, but stealing from your parents who provided for you and raised you and brought you into this world. And, and, and I know that not all parents are good parents. I understand that. I realize that. I realize there's some extreme circumstances, but nonetheless, stealing from uh, those that would raise you. And it's amazing to me. I, I stumbled upon a uh, article that I was looking today. I was trying to, I was preparing and, and looking at some things and, and, uh, and it was from a psychologist. And I thought, oh boy, this ought to be interesting. I started reading down through there and I thought, man, how they twist things. It was unbelievable. The, 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 I put it down here. People go through a lot of mental gymnastics to justify their sin but it's still sin. The Bible is very clear here. It says, Whoso robbeth his father or his mother and saith, it is no transgression. In other words, oh, they owed it to me or uh, I've not done anything wrong. And, and that idea is certainly uh, not okay. And the Bible goes on and he says there, the same is the companion of a destroyer. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. And I want to look at this word, the destroyer. And... Uh, and see what kind of a friend that he would be. First Corinthians chapter number 10, save your spot in Proverbs as we'll be back there. First Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number six. And in First Corinthians 10, he's referring back to Old Testament times. And so he's giving illustration. And he says in First Corinthians chapter number 10, verse number six, he says, Now these things were, example, were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. 
Neither be ye idolaters, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed and fell in one day. Three and twenty thousand. He's referring to Old Testament uh, stories that took place. It goes on in verse number 9, Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted, some of them also tempted, and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. And, uh, and I, I don't know, uh, as we look at this, I think, man, the destroyer, uh, was not a good fellow. I mean, you look at the things that it says here, and uh, they were destroyed of the serpents. You remember the serpents, the nation of Israel, that God sent his judgments, and they bit the people, and the people would die if they didn't turn and look at the, uh, the serpent that was uh, put on the pole. And then not only that, but those who murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. And there's many times that God sent judgment uh, into the nation of Israel, and, uh, and that judgment was brought many times by a destroyer of some... Uh, form or some some way and the bible says that uh he that stealeth from his parents or from his mother or from his father and says says it's okay the same is a companion of a destroyer in other words hey he that's not the kind of guy that's not the kind of company i want to keep I mean, you think about the people that are destroyed, and a destroyer is simply uh, one that would uh, try and, and, and ruin other things or, or kill and hurt other people, and certainly that's not the companion uh, that I would want to have uh, in, my, in my friend list, the people that I'm around. And as I was looking at this passage and thinking about this passage uh, we have another example that we'll, we'll look at. We'll not turn there for time's sake, but uh, you remember Absalom, David's son. And he had, he, had, uh, he had killed his brother, and so he had been run out of town, and, and eventually he came back into town. And upon returning to Jerusalem, uh, he started going to the gates and setting at the gates of the people. Now you say, well, what's important about that? Well, every time a person would come to the Jerusalem with judgment, uh, they would have to pass through the gates. And many times the wise men, would, the, the elders of the city, would set in the gates of the city. And if they had a smaller item, they would bring it to the men of the city there. And, uh, and, and if they could not get an answer, if it could not be resolved uh, with those men of the city, uh, then they would finally take it to the king, and the king would resolve the issue. And so as Absalom was sitting there in the gates of the city, uh, he would constantly look for the bigger uh, problems, and he would solve every problem. And in doing so, he intercepted the needs of those people, and he knew exactly what he was doing. Matter of fact, the Bible says this in 2 Samuel chapter number 15 and verse number 6, And on this manner did Absalom to all Israel that came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of of the men of Israel. You say, what does that mean? He stole the confidence of those people as they would come by. Uh, he would not allow them to get to the king. He would resolve all their problems and he was setting himself up to be the next king of Israel. And he knew that. He was very aware of what he was doing. And the Bible makes it very clear and says Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. And not only did he steal the hearts of the men of Israel, but he actually stole the kingdom from his father. 
It was not long after that that he would ascend uh, to the throne and he would uh, take over his father's throne and David would flee. And, uh, and, and, and he thought, well, it's okay. But you find that, you know what, he was a friend of destroyer because in the end, he was destroyed. And you remember that Absalom did not reign as king in Jerusalem, but he was killed. And, uh, and, and just understand this, that the Bible says here in Proverbs 28, 24, Whoso robbeth his father or his mother, and saith, it is no transgression. In other words, there's nothing wrong with it. The same is the companion of a destroyer. And if you're friends with a destroyer, it won't be long before they'll turn on you. And you'll be destroyed of that, of that companion. Let's go to the next verse. We see stealing riches. We see seeking riches in verse 22. We see stealing riches in verse 24. In verse number 27, uh, it twists and, and we take a whole different appeal and a different look and we find selfless riches. Look with me at verse number 27. The Bible says, He that giveth unto the poor shall not lack, but he that hideth his eyes shall have many a curse. Isn't that an interesting verse? It's pretty simple. I don't think it's hard to understand, but we'll look at it. And, and the one thing that we can see in the very beginning, he that giveth unto the poor shall not lack. Now, let me, um, let me I, I put down here that we need to see the need, and that's very true. But I want to give a word of warning about scammers, and most of you are aware of scammers. I mean, uh, there, there, it seems like in our day, uh, there, there is more scammers than, uh, than normal people. But maybe that's just because the news promotes it so much and, and other things. I don't know uh, if there actually are more or there's just more ways to scam people. Maybe that's it. And so people have decided to take advantage of all of those. Uh, but uh, I know in Peru... Uh, was not uncommon to see uh, people that were beggars that really weren't poor at all. Matter of fact, they, uh, pe begging was basically their job. And so they would run around and uh, smear a little dirt on their face and then look poor. And I kid you not, one time uh, I saw a lady and uh, they always looked for Americans. I mean, I, I promise you, I walked the streets a lot. I spent a lot of time and, and they, would, they would ignore all the, all the, all the Peruvians. Uh, but if they saw a little foreign white face, whether, whether American or European, uh, man, they would, they would beeline it for those people. And, and put their hand out and put on their sad face. And I remember watching one lady specifically, and, and, uh, and, and she, I think they knew me because I had been in and out of town so much, and I spent a lot of time on the, the square there, and, and, uh, and so they didn't really pay much attention to me. But I seen her walk by, and, and she's kind of, you know, had her act on, and she was kind of hobbling along, and, and, and the, the tourist got by her, and she saw some other ones. And I kid you not, she broke into a dead run down the road. No more hobbling. No, I mean, she was, I mean, there was a Pentecostal in the house. You'd have said she was healed. That's what it was. She, she took off running down the road. She got right behind the Americans or tourists, or whoever they were. She slowed way down, put her hobble back on, started hobbling, crumbled up her shoulders and her hands, and kind of held it out, and, and she bumped into them. And so they turned around and looked at her, and, uh, and she kind of begged from them. 
And, and, and I'm just saying that there is a lot of people that will play on the emotions of other people uh, to try and get something from them. And so I think we need to be wise in our, uh, in our, in our seeing people. But nonetheless, the truth of the Bible is still here in verse number 27. He that giveth unto the poor shall not lack. And it's not just seeing the need of other people. It's seeing and it's giving to those needs. Usually the poor people uh, are many times they're people that are working and many times they're trying to make ends meet and they're busy and they're, they're not uh, just out looking for a handout, but they're people who legitimately uh, are not able to for whatever reason, but they're, they're working, they're doing whatever they can to get by with what they have, but many times they're just not able to make ends meet and, and they're poor and it's seeing that need and then giving to that need. Reminded of the verse that says, uh, you know, I think it's in the book of James where he says, uh, be warmed and filled. Send them on the way. That's not going to warm them or fill them. He said, how could they be warmed and filled if you didn't give them anything, if you didn't give them a jacket to keep them warm, and you didn't give them some bread to help feed their stomachs and, and fill them up? And, and, uh, and so he's saying, listen, don't just see the need, but also give to the need. And listen, I, I firmly believe that uh, this is one of the reasons that God has blessed America greatly. Our country is a very generous country. And, uh, and we have given, I mean, we give to many, many other countries, and, and uh, our government gives. Did you know it was uh, the U.S. government that had sponsored the first missionary to be sent overseas in American history? It happened in the government that started uh, that way. And our government is a very giving, and sometimes in wrong areas and bad things, but nonetheless, we are a very giving people, and we're a very giving country. And the word of God stands true because it says, He that giveth unto the poor shall not lack. And I can tell you this, in America, we're not lacking. We're really not. When you read about a church that is happy because they have a toilet and they have a roof over their head to worship, I can tell you that no church in America is meeting like that tonight. Um, we're very blessed in America. And that's a truth in the word of God, selfless riches, giving to others. Here's a couple of verses I jotted down. We'll just read through them. But the Bible says in Proverbs eleven twenty four, There is that scattereth and yet increaseth, and there is that withholdeth more than is meet, but it tendeth to poverty. What an incredible way of wording that. He says, uh, there is this scattereth. In other words, picture your money being scattered uh, and yet increaseth. Well, that doesn't make sense, but it's God's blessing on those who give. And then he says, there is that withholdeth more than is meat. And he says, well, I'm not going to give away, uh, but it tendeth to poverty. He goes on in, in Proverbs 19 and verse number 17. And he says this, he that hath pity upon the poor lendeth unto the Lord and that which he hath given will he pay him again there's lots of times in the word of God that the Bible is very clear that if we give to other people and if we're giving people that God's going to bless us that's kind of what that passage in Deuteronomy was dealing with when he said hey lend to thy brother who cares if it's the sixth year and next year that uh, you're going to release it and it's not going to be held on to any longer uh, that God would bless that the Bible does say this in Luke 6 38 and we usually apply this to uh, to giving offerings but really you look at the context of the verse and it says this in Luke 6 38 give 
And it shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down and shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet withal, it shall be measured to you again. Be generous to other people. Be giving to other people. We have selfless riches. We have seeking riches, and that's going to lead to problems. And we have stealing riches, and that's obviously going to lead to problems. But we have selfless riches, and that's the person that would be giving and would give to other people. And that's certainly something that the Bible would promote and ask us to do. And it says in verse number 27, He that giveth unto the poor shall not lack, but he that hideth his eyes shall have many a curse. What an interesting verse. What's that curse? I don't know what it is. God knows what it is. You know, there's many ways that God could reduce your... Well, they, they said in the book of Haggai that you earn a lot of money, but you put it in a bag with holes. And it just disappears. Your money just doesn't go as far. And there's many ways that God could cause that to happen. I'll not speculate. There's so many ways that, that could take place, and there's ways that God does bless. I mean, you look at the nation of Israel. He told them when they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years that their shoes did not wear out and their clothes did not wear out for 40 years. They had the same thing. I mean, they, there was no Walmart in the wilderness. There was no Target. There was no place to go shopping. They, they, they didn't have fields. They weren't, uh, they weren't raising animals and, and, and trying to uh, make new clothes. They, they really were not in that ability to do that. But yet God blessed them and provided for them time and time and time again. And if God can bless and provide, then God can also take away. How he does that, I don't know. How he blesses, I don't know. But I do know this, it's true. God does bless. God does take care of us. And I think, honestly, that's one reason that uh, one of the reasons that our country has been so blessed traditionally over the years is because of the giving uh, that does take place in our country. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed as we stand to our feet, there's seeking riches, there's stealing riches, but then there's selfless riches. Giving. And I praise the Lord for our church. We're giving people, really. I think God's blessed you as a result of that. And you, you think about that. Why don't, you, why, don't you, why don't you go home and you count the blessings in your life? That God's blessed you. I'm not saying it's financial. Maybe there's many other ways that God's blessed you. Because of the giving spirit, it is a principle in the word of God. Father, we thank you. For your word, help us not to be selfish with riches. Help us not to obviously steal riches. God, we would know that's a sin that's wrong. But God, help us to be selfless. And help us to be reminded that, God, that's your principle. That's what you've shown in your word. And God, I thank you that many, many of our people are so selfless in their giving. God, we thank you for your many blessings. God, we know that it's you that blesses. It's you that takes care of us. It's you that provides for our needs. And Father, we do thank you for your many blessings. God, may we pause just for a moment and really look at how 
how many, many ways you've blessed our life. May we be grateful for what you've done for us. Well, thank you for it. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, if God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open.